All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit howlerpod.com and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we'll show up on your front step with a baby you didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Howlerpod. I stand before you now with the head of a tyrant. Today I declare the beginning of a new age with new allies, new ways. I have the rising at my back. You have a choice before you. She tosses the head on the stone podium and raises her other hand. In it is the dawn scepter, bestowing upon the bearer the right to rule the society. Bend or break. Hello! Howlers! Welcome to HowlerPod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one. Pierce Brown! Yes, ma'am! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers! Who else are we joined today by? We have a special guest. Woohoo! Heather Madsen will be joining us later. She is our wise and wonderful researcher. Yeah, Ben was dropping hints. <laughs> Some people got it. I definitely didn't get annoyed that nobody got what I, what I was even, talking about. I didn't about. even get it. I was like, who? <laughs> All right, it's character study time. Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prima? Or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie? I don't think that's going to happen this time. Who are we studying today? Virginia A. Augustus, a.k.a. Mustang, a.k.a. The Sovereign, <laughs> a.k.a. Bad Bitch. <laughs> All right, well, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully we don't fall in love. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or should our suits. <laughs> so Virginia Augustus, a.k.a. everything I said, plus horsey. I forgot horsey. She's a gold, a peerless scarred, and the freaking sovereign of the Solar Republic, a.k.a. the universe. That's a big deal. Like all humankind. <laughs> Except for the people who don't accept her as sovereign. <laughs> Uh, she's the daughter of Nero uh, Augustus, the twin sister of Adrius uh, Augustus, who is the jackal. And she's also the father to Pax, uh, baby Pax, named after Pax Autelemanus. And, oh, guys, she's also married to, is it Daryl? Uh, I don't think so. Daryl? It's a... Uh... Beryl? Darrow. Oh, Darrow. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's a... Kind of big deal. I've heard of him. But I feel like she's a bigger deal. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so she was noted to be small and slender, about half of Darrow's weight and around six foot one, which to me is a tall lady. <laughs> she's got bright golden hair and eyes. She's described as being very beautiful, having a heart-shaped face and full lips. Her battle armor is pure gold with a red line on the chest. Mm. Fucking sick. Virginia 
is known best for her genius level intellect. She is seen as something of a visionary at her age among the golds and has great political skill. She has keen social instincts and is able to befriend charm and work with others well winning friends and allies easily she is also highly empathetic and compassionate though she is talented at hiding these traits so as to not show weakness virginia is very loyal to her family even when they don't demonstrate the same in return despite her father and her brother's occasional scorn for her virginia does her best to ensure the strength and safety of her family and works with them as far as her morals allow her until she has to hang her brother (laughs) and then again attack the same brother (laughs) with a with a rose not weird at all not weird uh politically virginia has always been a reformer by gold standards during her tenure under octavia alun she wrote about fairer treatment of low colors though she still demonstrated a degree of prejudice against them. Virginia initially doubted whether the Rising could be effective. However, her time with Darrow, his family, and other members of the Rising, a.k.a. Ragnar, (laughs) (laughs) helped her to understand the grievances and purpose, and she eventually chose to fight with them to overthrow the society. Huzzah! (laughs) And then after the society is overthrown, Virginia forms the Senate and becomes the new sovereign, She is a conqueror. (laughs) She forms the Solar Republic, bringing back democracy with a (laughs) K-K. Democracy for the first time in almost 800 years. Wow. It's a long time. It's a good resume. We're going to skip her her story because we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Let's go ahead. And we all know it. Yeah, we already know it. Let's go ahead and bring in our special guest. Our wise and wonderful researcher, Heather, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Good to finally see you face to face slash on video chat. I know. I've read so many of your emails. (laughs) Yeah, I have an advantage because like some random voice in the ether for you guys. So Heather, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like how's COVID going? Um, How's school? Where are you at? What's going on? I just, I graduated high school in um, June. So I got to have the best, you know, second semester senior year ever. Um, I really, (laughs) living my best life, I, I had a lot of time to be outside and spend with my dog who passed away this summer. So in retrospect, I'm very grateful. Um, (laughs) And I also had time to uh, read Red Rising for the first time. I only uh, learned about it in March. So COVID really allowed me to explore. Um, You're doing like the best work. (laughs) Like you just started it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I already converted so many other people. I immediately I made my mom and my dad and um, my sister and some of my friends read it too. So I've been passing around the books. Um, nice. I just wish they would read faster sometimes, but <laughs> for sure. Uh, but other than that, COVID is terrible, you know. <laughs> have you had time to, to reread any of the books or have you just gone straight through one time? I read through one time and I read the first trilogy through a second time in July 
And then I started reading Iron Gold. My dad took a really long time to finish <laughs> Iron Gold. I think it just, he just was not um, dealing with, you know, Darrow and his brooding uh, as well in <laughs> Iron Gold. <laughs> but uh, now, now I'm reading it again and I'm um, mentally stealing myself for Dark Age again. Nice. Yes. Dark Age the second time around, I actually liked it a lot better. It's, I had a really yeah. hard time the first time because it was too much heartache. And Ben was the one who's like, Yeah. Like, what's it like talk about? It. No, yeah, Aaron, to force you. <laughs> when I was listening to the podcast, I was like, no, I was totally like emotionally devastated. I could not live my life outside of um, Dark Age. My mom was like, are you okay? Like, I was like, no, I'm so depressed. I cannot live my life. And she was like, she was finished with Iron Gold and she was just waiting for me to finish Dark Age so she could read it. She was really stressed that she wouldn't um, be able to handle it. But like you, Ben, she was just like, yep, you know, it was great. Great writing. I didn't feel emotionally devastated. I was like, mom. Your mom is heartless. I know. I was cold and emotionless like me. That's awesome. Just kidding. Sorry, Heather's mom. She is an icon. It's quite the experience, especially like when you're reading through it like really quickly, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, second time around was was better because I wasn't as scared. I like knew what was going to happen so I could focus on the great writing and not all the death. Yeah. Yeah. I really cracked when Ephraim died. I couldn't I couldn't handle it after that, but uh, I got through it, you know. Looking forward to the second time around. I kept saying like he's gonna come back because like <laughs> I thought he like should have died the end of Iron Gold. I was like, he's basically dead and then he didn't die, so why is it any different? Yeah, I <laughs> I looked it up too. I was like, is Ephraim really dead? Like maybe he'll get a heart transplant. And I was holding out. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought she was joking about that, like no. for a solid two weeks. No, like, I was like, is oh, Ephraim he's gonna, alive? He's I was like, it's a good joke, Aaron. Good one. Like he's no. Really and then Ben goes, Olga was couldn't hold together his body because it fell apart. And I was like, that's not okay. He'll be fine. See, I'm pretty sure I. Skimmed over that part, and I was like, "No, he'll just come back. He's he's there. I really need his humor in the books." I know that's. I'm a little worried about that for book six. I'm sure we'll get another humorous character, but like his sarcasm and his jokes were just his sad boy vibes. His sad boy vibes really mm-hmm. carried us through. Really, we love those sad boy vibes. All yeah. right, well, Heather, now that you're here, we have to have you read. Your historical connections. I know. I'm so excited about this. Heather gets to read this time. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. It's like a full-on five-paragraph essay, but it'll be fine. Okay. Right from the start, Mustang has been an enigma, a powerful and confident woman born into blue-blooded aristocracy, yet an empathetic reformist at heart. In the Institute, she devised cunning strategies to advance to Primus and achieve her goals with minimal casualties by transforming obstacles into opportunities. Rather than abandon Darrow, supposedly her enemy, to die in the mud, she chose instead to make him an ally, teaching him the importance of rhetoric and presenting him with a chance to realize Eo's dream in a microcosm of the society. 
Without her wisdom, kindness, and unique mastery of human subtlety, Darrow would surely have died. Spunky and intelligent, the nickname Mustang juxtaposes nicely with the more regal Virginia Augustus to highlight her depth of character and nuance. While naturally a queen, Mustang's personality is dynamic. Though respectful of the past, she has st- she still has the rare capacity to see through oppression gilded as tradition, which in turn allows her to advocate for pragmatism. Mustang doesn't, doesn't just hop on Darrow's bandwagon of revolution, but rather supports structural change for the sake of progress in her own right because she's Darrow's equal. Obviously in English, Mustang refers to feral horses, slender and untamable, but in Spanish, such means belonging to that which is wild. While Darrow makes it clear through Golden Sun, that Mustang belongs to no man, her beliefs certainly resonate with the indomitable human desire for universal freedom. In a civilization built on inequality, indoctrination, and censorship, the decision to give democracy a chance when doing so offers little personal gain, if not punishment, most definitely qualifies as boldly Mustang-like. Coincidentally, Mustang is also a color, yellowish-red in hue. While exhibited on her lion-hearted battle armor, these colors more significantly represent how Mustang is able to foster the unification of gold and red culture through assertive communication. In contrast to wiliness and flexibility, quite novel to gold culture, the name Augustus couldn't be more representative of the establishment. After avenging his adoptive father with a military coup, Caesar Octavius embraced the carefully selected cognomen Augustus in an effort to tie his fate with that of the ancient city in the eyes of its still very conservative public. Meaning majestic or venerable, August, had long been the preferred adjective used to describe all the most honored and sacred things in Rome. By literally rebranding himself, Emperor Augustus hoped to cast off his and his family's unconstitutional past to become a beacon of traditional Roman values. Throughout his tenure as first among equals, Augustus managed to become that beacon through conservative policy choices. As his grip on power tightened, Augustus went to further to ever greater lengths to create the appearance that freedom reigned. Of course, Virginia's no tyrant. However, she does have a questionable house history, the legacy of which requires she ostensibly guard herself from authoritative action that could be misperceived by a skeptical audience. A populist visionary trapped by the unfounded opinions of others, Mustang deserves a much kinder comparison than true to Augustus. On the whole, she strikes much greater similarities with Cleopatra VII. Like Mustang with the Jackal, Cleopatra had to outwit and ultimately kill her brother in order to claim her rightful place on Egypt's throne. Often compared to Darrow, Julius Caesar was so allured by Cleopatra not only because of her beauty, but also on account of her incredible intelligence and wit. Cleopatra VII was the first non-Egyptian ruler to fluently speak Egyptian since the founding of the Ptolemaic regime, allowing her to embody and assume the persona of the living god Isis while unbound by the restrictions imposed upon royalty in the free city of Alexandria. Gifted at making others feel at ease, Mustang's similar ability to code switch opens doors. Her powers of observation enable her to perfectly assess and satisfy the wants and needs of friends while tackling enemies with extraordinary precision. Undermined by the Roman patriarchy, Cleopatra turned to the sexual exploitation of powerful men to save herself and her authority. First with Caesar, then with Mark Antony, Cleopatra studied her prospective conquests, seducing them with techniques right out of her own playbook. Regardless of sincerity, she certainly had both men wrapped around her finger, very similar to Mustang's emotional command over Darrow and Cassius. 
Her relationship with Daros clearly wasn't engineered in this way, but Mustang's fling with Cassius wasn't much more than logistical calculation meant to provide her family shelter from a fatal Loon-Bologna alliance. The Roman people condemned Cleopatra for her deceitful hoarseness as Nero Augustus demeaned his daughter for opening her legs to an enemy house, but in both instances, women incapacitated by their circumstances utilizes, utilize the resources at hand to secure their highest priorities. For their foresight and successful strategic realization, both women should instead be lauded. Women for the win. Fuck yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Women for the win. Exactly. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> no, I'm for it. I support it. I didn't know Mustang was a color. I know. That was great. I love that part. I did not either. Yeah. Wow. I love Egyptian history, too. It's very interesting. You, do you remember the mummy movies? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> those are an inspiration to you. Um, when those come out, when I was like in high school. I mean, probably when Heather was born. Honestly. Right. When you were born, the mummy movies came out. And <laughs> I loved I loved them so much that I decided I was Nefertiti. And I learned Egyptian. <laughs> I like spent like two months learning Egyptian words. How did it go? Do you remember like anymore? Uh-huh. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, it's a challenge. She even know. And I, I would watch the movies over and over again and um, have the subtitles on and try to like say the, the words. Anyways, I digress. I love the Cleopatra the Seventh part. Yeah, that that's was my such favorite. An interesting I, comparison. I definitely think she's a badass in my Latin classes. All the all the like Roman texts talk about her so like pejoratively using like literally the adjective womanly or an effeminate like to offend her and like cast her down in the eyes of the Roman public just because they were so misogynistic. But I think she's really cool. And the way she held on to power and, and just asserted herself throughout Egypt. Very interesting. Amazing. Yeah, that's, I would have never like made that connection, but I love that. Who's the who's the first female pharaoh that like dressed like a man? You Who know, that? that's a great question. I I don't actually know. I learned about <laughs> I, I made the connection uh, with Cleopatra reading um, Rubicon by Tom Holland, which was one of the books that Pierce Brown recommended. Yeah, what are you into this week? Of course, I had to read the book. Um, and yeah, it just seems like they. <laughs> They had a lot of characteristics in common, their um, subtlety and human mastery. So one thing that we failed to mention, um, you said you just graduated, but what we didn't mention is, aren't you at Princeton? I am, yeah. I'm taking That's classes. amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Dude, you're so smart. That's, that's very kind. <laughs> Definitely really good at bullshitting my way through essays. I, I don't know how smart I am. Um, but yeah. These I'm essays really... you said those are amazing. So I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. I, I have ancient Greek um, Monday through Thursday at 6 a.m. here in on the mm. Pacific Coast. Wow. So I'm suffering from a little sleep deprivation. But in the afternoons, I'm fully awake. Yeah. It all makes sense now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's where that's where you get all these connections. You're studying them. Yeah. Right. That's why I wanted to ask you about your yeah, I wanted to ask you about your process a little bit. So it was like 
Is this something where you're doing a lot of research? Or are you doing a lot of, I mean, what I do when I'm looking stuff up is I type it into Google and then click on the exact first search <laughs> or for Red something. Rising, <laughs> Red <Rising Leaky. laughs> Wikipedia. That, Red I'm assuming Leaky. that that's not what you're doing. Um, so. <laughs> Well, I don't use Wikipedia because my elementary school teachers were like, never, you know, but other than that, I do look things up on Google because I try to use JSTOR and then I have to read like 40 pages before I get to the point. And I would, there's like so many different aspects that I, that are about each character that I want to research that I don't spend that much time on each, but mainly, you know, with my, um, linguistic background i just like look up the um different like prefixes and suffixes that i think might mean something sometimes i remember like a character or a historical figure who resembles that person even if they don't have the exact same name but if there's like a similar storyline in context that's kind of where i start googling but google is a big friend of mine um just, and uh, this podcast is brought to you by Google. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we haven't run into like very many characters that you haven't been able to have a full historical background on. I mean, but we should throw some harder ones at her. <laughs> What's coming up next? Well, I feel like the <laughs> my favorite part of what Heather does is it's like this thing we were talking about with Cleopatra. It's like the fact that you're able to make connections between the historical background um, and then connect it to something else where you can like make a great point about why this person or this character is the way that they are. I just love that. So I, I, we appreciate you so much. Just want to let you know. Oh, thank you. The people love it. So that's also the list, the howlers. Yes. As I said, when I when like school wasn't in session and the only people I could talk to were my parents, my mom was getting really fed up with me and she was like, No, you should start writing. Start writing Howler Pod. They want to hear this stuff. And she was like, that, that that's an interesting point, but she just wanted to end the conversations. You know, she, she has been a good like editorial support system for me, though. I don't want to just bash my mom. She's great. I love her, obviously, but had some external support to seek other venues <laughs> that's awesome thanks heather's mom yes thanks heather's mom <laughs> i also i love that your family is reading red rising with you as well right. I, I got my my brother and my dad have read it i haven't gotten my mom to read it yet but it's so fun to like make the people in your family suffer with you <laughs> like it's so important it really is. My my dad texted me today asking, Ephraim dies? And I was like, I told you you were going to get your heart ripped out. And those were the words I used. So. Oh, <laughs> burn. No pun intended, dad. Definitely not. All right. Let's talk Mustang. Let's talk Mustang. Horsey. <laughs> All right. We brought on Heather because she like specifically requested to talk about Mustang. She's well, first some... we were like, "You have to talk to us." We were like, "You're coming on the podcast," and then, like, <laughs> and then I was like, "I gave her the choice of who she would yeah, like to talk exactly. about." Exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, our we want to ask you some questions about Mustang. Are you up for it? Totally. Okay. So, I think we got on into this a little bit already when we started talking historical connections, but 
we want to hear from you. Like, why is Mustang such a standout character to you? I feel like she's just so unique in her ability to make fun of herself and other people and use the the faults she recognizes because she's so smart to force people to grow and change. And I just think that's really inspiring in this such a static society, especially just looking at the Red Right, like the first book, she really forces Darrow to, to become the man that he is for the rest of the series. And he couldn't do it without her. So <laughs> I love that. She you does kind of like could. tease him into it, doesn't she? Yeah. Okay. So I was going back through the original Red Rising book and OG. That moment in the, when they're in the cave together, I feel like is such a, a powerful, like, building moment especially for the rising with ragnar well no i'm talking about in the cave oh uh, yeah, on the, when in, he's in the nursing institute. yeah when yeah when she's like nursing him back to i health. picked the wrong cave yes it's the wrong there's cave. another cave scene <laughs> i feel like that's like well first of exactly all it's what a pivotal Heather... moment because daryl would have died if she hadn't saved him sure but i feel like it speaks to what heather was just talking about there where she kind of like shapes his entire argument. He takes her advice and he takes her argument and he like uses that to form the rising. Yeah. I think, I think that he obviously, like she points out, he was just a driven arrow and obviously he's justified in, in having just one goal. Cause he's trying to, you know, uplift this cause that's so much greater than himself, but also it's so obvious to everyone else that he's just trying to, he's just going to use people to get what he wants and they don't understand what he wants. So I think Mustang is, is critical for him to recognize that one, not all golds are evil. Like he rec- he sees EO in Mustang and he sees how empathetic and smart and, and spunky she is. Um, and that makes him, you know, consider the strategy for taking on uh, revolution, revolutionizing the society. But she also, you know, literally hands him the strategy for dividing and conquering from within. So, right. Like, she is our conqueror. She, he doesn't make it without her. I'm like no. completely convinced. Also, I think she softens him. Like, he's got all this rage and. Not only Mustang, but also um, finding like his friendship with Roke and Cassius and Severo. They all kind of like soften him to Golds because obviously at first he's just like, let's kill them all. Um, but I think Mustang's perspective helps um, him see a future where everyone's working together and it's not just another like genocide, but the opposite way. She does like such a good job of navigating him through that she like sends them to severo at the right time when when he needs it and when severo needs it um it's the same thing with like cassius and roke and she's always like giving advice to him at the moments where he needs it and pushing him in the direction that he needs to go when he's like i don't know what to do i'm just like just like any good partner this i'm like super upset yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she's so fucking smart and I, I love how Pierce really highlights that in um, Dark Age with her point of view character I think uh, 
like hearing her voice, it just makes sense. It's not like it came out of nowhere. Like we always knew she was smart and now we get to hear it from her own lips. For sure. And and we get to see all the POVs with Mustang, definitely some of the best parts of Dark Age. But I think it's interesting also to see how like we get mad at Darrow for not always listening to what Mustang has to say because she's always she seems to always be right. But then like with the whole theme of communication in Dark Age, she she has all these incredible plans and people don't listen to her way more than Darrow has ever not listened to her. And that's just so frustrating. Um, but it is like, you know, I'm sure other people in her life don't listen to her as well. So it, it's cool to to be able to explore the world through her eyes and not just only see um, how Darrow responds to her ingenuity. That was my favorite part of Dark Age was just being able to see through Mustang's eyes. Hot take, my brother like hated all the Mustang chapters. Well, no, did he no. like loves Lysander? Does he hate Mustang? Loves Lysander? Yeah, and he hates he so chapters. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, how are we related? You're gonna have to disown him. And I was like, Wait. I was disturbed by the <laughs> Lysander chapters. I was so like especially with the mind's eye, I was like, oh, this is so cool, but I also hate you so much. I do not want to, like, agree with anything. No. Lysander right now is, like, a hot topic on the social meds, on the Facebook group and I stuff. I saw that. Yeah, he's... a lot. All the arguments are coming back up with, like, someone's like, oh, Lysander is the, like, the morning... What would they say? The morning star. Lysander is the, uh... the savior. I'll just watch. I'll just watch, and then they like <laughs> let everyone blow up the comments. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. So I mean, the thing about Lysander is I don't want to get like into him big time with Mustang, but like that's super interesting chapters. I don't think it's yeah. I don't hate his not, chapters. It's not a thing. This it's not especially when Cassius like a, is in him. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad thing to say. Like, that's the problem. I enjoy a Lysander chapter. I do, but he also sucks. yeah, because because. <laughs> Pierce writes everything so that we we love it, but we also hate it at the same time. Yeah. Right. Such a dichotomy. Okay. So, uh, Heather, what is your connection to Mustang? Like, how do you feel? Like, why is she one of your favorites? I just felt like, you know, in the depths of quarantine, when I was reading uh, Red Rising for the first time, she she was the spark that illuminated Dara's life and she really did that for me too because I was very depressed you know like I never knew I had online school it's a terrible experience especially in high mm. school college is a lot better yeah. and she just really she brought me a lot of joy so <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that she could do that for you yeah See, this is why we need Pierce Brown. You never know what's going on in the world. You need a good book. You really do. Do you have a specific, like, favorite Mustang moment or interaction? Um, I really love when she... I love everything in the cave because it's so fun to see, like, Dara's reaction to this golden girl express the same ideas as EO had and every all the the motivation for him being there I think it's cool to see that realized in that intimate relationship and setting I also just love when she lays into him for being so like 
evasive and unclear in Golden Sun because like obviously readers get to see get to hear what he's thinking but like if you weren't inside Darrow's mind you would just be like what a dick like why is he being like this to Mustang so I just love uh, like when she comes into his um his room on the packs and was is just like what the heck like yeah talk to me and i love that she leaves him hanging like obviously i hate it because i'm like no he loves her so much but also i'm like no (laughs) go for you girl like live your life so i love it pierce writes a good love story in the midst of all this death and murder right no it's like it's that that story between them definitely has like an emotional impact and it doesn't even get a lot of screen time which is great i mean that's He's so efficient in the way he writes and the way Take he can <laughs> and the way he can uh you know pack a punch uh with those types of those storylines. Uh, I just I love that. Okay, do you have a favorite Mustang quote? Uh I everything she I mean, says there's a is lot. amazing. But I think I think I love that quote. Where she's just like, no, don't speak. It's not your turn just because I pause. Just because I pause. Like I love that. I love that vehemence and um, passion on her part. I just think, you know, she's so good with her words. She doesn't uh, have just one amazing quote, but that's one of my favorites. That's such a good call. So I was like looking for quotes while I was putting this outline together because we always have to have that. We have a quote at the beginning, and I was like, that was. I really want to do that one, but it can really like fit in really well, but. That was at the top of my list. That's a good, <laughs> For good sure. Choice. Like, uh, I need to say it at work sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's such a like a good distillation of her character. Yeah, I try to, I try to emulate that, that attitude. Anytime I have a conflict with anyone. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we should all be Mustang. Just because I pause. <laughs> taking people down with your words you know she doesn't need to be a physical badass even though she is uh she can definitely just um murder people with her her rhetoric so i think that's super awesome hell yeah (laughs) we think that you can also murder people with your rhetoric yes that is so sweet the best comparison (laughs) you could make i gotta learn how to ride horses i'm glad you read there were some tough ones in there. <laughs> it was like Cleopatra in the seventh, and I was like, I'm not good at Roman numerals. <laughs> First of all, we know. We know. We know. <laughs> I finally got four down. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, last question. Do you have do you have any predictions for book six for Mustang? I really hope she and Victra go in there and they, um, you know, I hope they rally Mars like they already have, clearly. Um, But I I hope they can um, hold down the fort against the society and the rim. And I I don't know if Cassius and um, Darrow are going to be able to save Severo. So I hope I hope we can see the Victra Mustang duo get into the Citadel and rescue several before he gets brain diddled as you guys like to say <laughs> can't, can't describe it any other way <laughs> that was me that came up with that 
yeah, I, I like so. that. I like the, the ladies saving their. No, that was great because I was like, I've been so focused on Cassius and Darrow saving Severo. I think Aaron had brought something up similar to that, like what you had just said, and um, I love that idea. I think it would be really cool to see Cass- Cassius and Darrow rescue Severo, but I just feel like they don't know. Like clearly, Darrow's out of communication with Mustang right. and um, the Republic. And I can I could see them doing some like covert operation, uh, trying to to like s- switch the rim from the society to the republic. So I kind of feel like, especially with Diomedes, like totally out of the picture for like the latter half of Dark Age. Like I could see some collaboration there. And I just don't, as I say, I would love to see them go to Luna and rescue Severo, but I just don't know how logistically they would know to do that. Right. And it fits so much better with like the final line from Victra to Mustang. Like if our husbands can't make salvation for us, you know, like we'll make our own or whatever. And, and she's like, I need to get another baby in here. <laughs> Cause the last one didn't go so long. <laughs> no. Very tragic. <laughs> we were being too nice. Yeah, we set ourselves apart. Sure. <laughs> Cruelty has to be the staple of Howlerpod, for yes. sure. Yes, yes. Dead babe. <laughs> so kind of our brand. All right. <laughs> you have any last words? Do you want to? Um... Any, la- any last words? <laughs> <laughs> Before I get nailed to a tree like Ulysses. Um, yeah, I just thank you so much to all the Howlers who are who've like written in and and called in thanking me for the work I do I really love to do the research sometimes you know it's it's like a little stressful to get it done on on like the schedule I set for myself but I just I love hearing from people um who appreciate all this like nonsense that I think about I'm gonna interrupt you because Heather turns in her work like four weeks early on every single one (laughs) We have like the next two episodes. I'm the one who Ben's like, you gotta, you gotta help me out with this outline. Midterms are coming up, and I can see that they are going to be uh, pushing me behind. And I just, I want to be able to deliver. And I appreciate uh, just the Howler community being such a warm welcome for me. And um, as I say, I'm a relatively new Howler, so I love hearing from everyone about all their all their Red Rising theories. Awesome. And you're gonna are you gonna come back for Ephraim? I can for sure. I, I sent you uh, what I what I wrote about him, um, which is not the same, you know five paragraph essay uh but i definitely uh love ephraim as i already talked about with you guys he's he's definitely my mvp of dark age nice okay well perfect thank you so much heather thank you heather of course thank you guys it was so nice to meet you (laughs) you okay hope you guys enjoyed our interview with heather i certainly did i totally did i did most I enjoyed it more. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you, Heather, again. You're amazing, and we love you. Okay, let's move on to some fan casting. Let's do it. Who are you fan casting for Mustang? Okay, so first let's start uh, fan casting from one of our howlers. Cassie sent in 
um, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, also married to which Jonas? <laughs> one of the Jonases. Joe Jonas. Jonas I. Don't one of the Jonases, and she just had a baby. Did she just have it? I think she she had one of the Jonas Willa. Anyways, um, she of course is known for Game S- of Thrones. Sansa Stark. Um, and Sansa, and she does a great job being regal and you know staying poised even when being beaten down which i think is very important for mustang so i think it's that's a great idea i like that casting a lot my personal casting for mustang is elizabeth debicki she's she's australian 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 extremely tall she's like six three is she really yes she isn't like so tall very long neck uh, she's a long neck <laughs> she's gorgeous she's yeah she's beautiful and she's a great actress um like she's in widows she was really good and she's in a few other movies she was in like guardians of the galaxy 2 um great gatsby great gatsby she's an awesome actress and I haven't really seen her in an action role, so I'm not really sure if she can handle that aspect of it. But she's like a top-notch actress, and she's the perfect size. She's actually like a little too tall. Even too tall. <laughs> wow. I love it. But she is gorgeous, and I feel like she fits the Mustang aesthetic really yes. well. Yeah. Um. Now, I I don't think, first of all, my favorite, like, my top hottest woman in the world is Margot Robbie. So I kind of picture her as being Mustang in the face. Right. But then I think of like, think of ScarJo as Black Widow in terms of like athleticism. Right. I guess um, Margot as Harley Quinn, she's too crazy, but like, you know, the action stuff, I think, you know. She can handle it. She can be the athletic part and the poised, beautiful part. So that would be mine. That would be like Sovereign Mustang. Sovereign Mustang. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Okay. Um, we've already done predictions with Heather, so let's move on to the Prime Five. The Prime Five is our top five best character moments for Virginia Augustus. You want to take the first one? Sure. So, obviously, you can't have Mustang without leaning back in the chair, feet on the table, eating an apple. <laughs> she does this a so, couple times. It's so horsey of her right. to be chomping on an I apple. I didn't even think about that. Right. Wow. Um, so, of course, first she does it in the um, meeting with her father leading it, and he's like, do you want something? <laughs> and then she does it again with the Silvers, and Quick Quicksilver is like, okay, here we go again. Right. The leaning back. And I'm sure she's done it even more than that. It's like how everyone has their own personal signature. This is Mustang's signature. Yeah. It's kind of like lighting a cigarette indoors (laughs) and everyone's looking at you like, you can't do that. What are you doing? Like, that's what she's doing. She's (laughs) like, actually, I own this room. It's a power move. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anytime she does the move, that's one of the Do you think she's going to be able to do it one more time before we... I really hope so. I do too. We gotta get at least here, like chomping on one more apple. Yeah. Okay. That's my chomp noise. Let's move on to number four on the prime five. Um, this is kind of a couple moments rolled up into a single prime five. First of all, we already touched on this a lot with Heather. Darren Mustang, 
hanging out in the cave. Yes. I mean, where the relationship was born. Too bad they weren't banging in the cave. <laughs> Ayo! Mm, that's true. I mean... But, I mean, you got to make that emotional connection first. Do you? It's important. Not everyone d- starts with that part. <laughs> <laughs> but the second half of this Prime 5 is that moment at the end of Red Rising when you're completely unsure whether Mustang is going to betray Darrow or not. And right. then she returns, and she's like, all this for me? And Because, <laughs> like, yeah, all the resistance. Yeah. Daryl's like, yeah. And then she's like, well, good thing I brought this. <laughs> she, like, rolls her brother out naked her and naked hogtied. brother. <laughs> Which, like, what? <laughs> knowing your brother, would you pull that on him? Like, he's obviously going to, like, try to torture and kill Remember you. Remember that forever? Right. Yes. Even when he's a clone? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, I think she sh- should have known better there. Hey, it's good. She had the last laugh. She didn't have really a lot of good options, though. It's like, what could you do in that moment? You her Let options him wear were, his pants? Sure, maybe like not humiliate him as much. Yeah. She could have brought him back under the guise that like, hey, we are we are allies, and then turn on him. Sure. But it's probably more. It's probably better just to be upfront about the whole. I'm just going to go ahead and... Hog tie you. Hog tie you. Okay. Naked. <laughs> Sorry, bro. All right, number three. Okay, so... Um, this is when Darrow's going to quick ship uh, to leave for Phobos. They've just launched to the leave Phobos to go to the ice. They've launched that huge attack on Phobos, like Ragnar's leading all of the soldiers through the right, towers, right. and Darrow just made the huge speech. And um, we don't know like whose team Mustang is on at this point, yeah, and she's kind of on her own. And we just saw, her, you know, meeting with Cassius and the, the Moon Lords and yeah. stuff. So we're like, who's Mustang for? And this is when Daryl's about to leave and she's standing in front of his ship. And uh, Ragnar, they're all like, hey, man, like, don't go out there. Like, we don't know who's Mustang's working with. And Daryl's like, it's Mustang. (laughs) So he goes and obviously she joins up with them. Right. And she's on their side. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to I'm with you, but you've got to prove it to me. Yeah. That this is real. Wait, is this after she's had the baby? Yeah, she's had the baby at this point. So obviously, got to come back to your baby daddy. Well, yeah, I mean, they she had the baby like around the time that Darrow escaped, but then the first time she saw Darrow again was in Quicksilver's meeting room when he nice. they, when the howlers all burst in. Ooh, wouldn't it be fun to be inside her mind during yeah, that? She's like, "What the? Oh fuck? shit." baby daddy yeah what are you doing here and then daryl launches his attack and um then they decide to leave phobos and go to the ice right so that's that's like such a great cinematic moment right you can hear like the music swell the ship lights turn on there's like a huge shadow on the wall and it's must (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she's looking hot and it kind of looks like a lion on the shadow oh does it (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we won't have you direct. <laughs> I like that directorial decision, I, sure, honestly. Sure, sure, yeah. It's okay. not cheesy or anything. <laughs> All right, I'll take the next number two moment. Okay. And that is Mustang absolutely flopping dong. What? Flopping dong? Flopping dong. Did I say that? And running the Iron Circle around Mars and rallying the Republic. You remember when she's like, 
yeah, showing her dick. Making her way back to Mars, and they're like, "You should do this to like do the show everybody what's up." And she's like, "All right, let's do she's it." Like, I ain't afraid of no ghost. And they fucking run the circle, and then they there's the big fire with the Reaper's sling blade. Oh yes. And everybody's like, "You gotta come see this. Come see the fire <laughs> sling blade." She's like, "That's what's up. No one's gonna shoot me down." Right. And then she arrives back on Mars, and Kieran walks up to her, and he's like. I transfer my power to you. Hail Sovereign. Everyone's like, Hail Libertas. It's just a great, it's like the one. Also cinematic. Kind of like, we're going to rally, maybe make it through Dark Age <laughs> moment. Maybe. Well, it's like the le- second to last chapter. Right. And then we lose Volga. Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, But it's such a great moment where it it plants this little seed of hope at the end of that book where you're like, okay, we can rally Mars. We've got this support. Like Mustang is still here. She's still in charge. Darrow's free. We can do this. It's great. Yeah. Flop and dong. Flop and dong. I don't remember saying that, but that was me that said it. Oh, that's why. I was like, <laughs> I can't really imagine myself saying that. <laughs> I mean, I could. <laughs> I think you've only said it six times since I said it. So oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you can say it. All right. Our number one moment, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> involves Lysander. <laughs> she is our conqueror. <laughs> but no, the the top moment is obviously her holding Octavia's head, <laughs> her old crinkly head, <laughs> and the dawn scepter, and walking through all the golds, and then just stepping aside and like accepting her right. as the conqueror. Yeah. Even though Darrow's right there. She's like, like covered in blood. Oh, yeah. And it's just such an incredible moment. They have that whole walk, and then she, and it was our quote at the beginning of the episode when she charges into the Senate, and they're like about to elect a new, they're trying to elect a new sovereign, and it's like they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And she's like, hey, look what I got. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking head of Octavia. And we've got a whole army waiting outside. So what's up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I also love that Pierce chose Mustang as the next sovereign. Because, like, you, you, you know, obviously d- they wouldn't have accepted Darrow, but they could have made it Cassius. I, I honestly, like, I think that's a great point because I love the decision to make it Mustang. That's really important, I feel like. And I think in every other fantasy book that you would read or a sci-fi book like this, you would expect it to be Darrow to right. take over. Like that I mean, that's the logical conclusion here, you know? But it's so much better that it's Mustang and she's so much more fit for that role. And th- also the fact that Darrow wants her to be in that role. And Darrow's not a sovereign. He's a a good fighter. Like he's not right. as smart as her. But he's I just think smart, that's but he's not that smart. That's like a different type of character than you read from years past because you know like Definitely. if you're reading like a 1960s sci-fi book, it's going to be the dude that rolls in, kills everybody, takes over and then he's the new leader. Right. That's how it works on every other story. And then his wife doesn't have secret babies. She has right. out in the open babies. Right, exactly. And then she's just following along, and she's just there for the ride. In this story, it's like, no, he says how much he needs her and like how he couldn't do this without her. And then she gets to take that role over 
and be the you know the most important person in the solar system basically and whether she likes it or not right and i just love that change from kind of what you would normally expect or what your expectations would be and to have it be mustang instead i love it she's you know despite it's so much more logical despite everything that happened in dark age she's doing a great job right and it's so much much it's so much more of a logical choice for the story like and it makes Pierce more sense for the story even said to us he you know he wrote mustang based on his mom mm-hmm. and like what a great thing for your son to do <laughs> for you to make you like the smartest most beautiful badass leader of the whole republic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> amazing yep i think she liked that all right that's today's prime five she is our conqueror <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Prime or Pixie? Did Mustang slash Horsey slash Virginia survive the Hallerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment? Let's find out. All right. We're going to start with the Howlers. We've got some emails here. Let's start with Daniel. Daniel wrote in. He says uh, for a while he had apathetic feelings toward Virginia, which is kind of how my brother felt. Um, and he says that he didn't hate her, but he didn't love her. Um, she's smart, beautiful, golden child that would rule fairly, but she's a bit, um, the cliche sci-fi princess. Wow. Fighting words here on Hallerpot. Dang, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. (laughs) So then Daniel says that that perspective really changed for him in Dark Age, and she's become one of his favorite perspectives. Uh, The depth of her was a surprise, but it was a welcomed one. And her inner turmoil of the family's history is a huge burden that I feel like that Daniel feels like before Dark Age fans didn't hear enough about. So uh, he Daniel concludes that she is prime that and that nobody can say otherwise. What's up, Daniel? You're back on the good side. (laughs) Okay, yeah. He decided that she was prime, so... It worked out. All right, Daniel, thanks so much. She is prime. She is our conqueror. (laughs) All right, our next email is from Stephanie. She says, Mustang is prime. Yes, she's smarter than everyone else, and she's witty, but I love her because she doesn't think or feel like other golds. She considers the horrors the low colors live through and is a reformer. She's also shared a portion of a review that she had written for Morningstar with us. And she says that Mustang gets criticized for her treatment of Cassius. They were lovers, though she didn't love him. It was only trying to protect her family by getting close to Octavia in her court. In Morningstar, she shoots Cassius in the neck with a bow and arrow, narrowly missing his jugular. She was aiming to kill. Some say that it was cold of her to play with his heart for her own agenda and then go as far as to kill him. I am not disagreeing with those statements, just that it's part of what makes her flawed and interesting. Plus, though, she is not a psychopath like her her twin. It shows she exhibits some behavioral traits of her father and brother. Without the Telemannus family's love and influence, she would have become like them. The second critique was that she didn't tell Daryl about their son because she was testing him. Like, what would have happened if Daryl didn't pass? Would she have never told him about their son? I don't believe that. She was scared. Besides, it was better to keep their son packs hidden and safe from kidnapping, execution, or worse, experimentation. 
He is half God, half gold, and half red, like Severo. Daryl was able to conceive with Mustang. The universe knows Daryl is red. Do they know Severo is half red? Mustang's test was about building trust between her and Daryl and giving their love a second chance. He lied to her about who he was and then let the hollow video tell the truth for him. That's a lot to take in. The relationship changes after that. Mustang had to be sure they were on the same side. Mustang almost told Daryl about their son after the crash at Ragnar's home. She wanted to tell him at Tino's, but it was Daryl's mother who advised her to wait, and Mama was right. He was hey, not, Mama. He was not prepared to be a good father. He needed to be there for his people first. She said, I love the evolution of Mustang and Daryl's relationship. This is a ship I will go down with. I love their intellectual foreplay. It is not a love based on shallow feelings, but a partnership, and in the end, a mutual goal, even if there are bumps along the way. I loved her POV in Dark Age, seeing how her mind works, her love for Darrow unpacks, how brilliant she was using the pandemonium chair on the Duke of Hands, her witty comebacks toward Lilith, and her fears about becoming like her father. Omnis Verlupus Stephanie. Also, uh, Stephanie has a video that she recorded at Barnes & Noble during the Dark Age Q&A, where, um, where someone asked if it's weird to write sexy scenes about Mustang because Pierce... <laughs> based her on his mom and so she sent us the link for that and she said his answer is pure gold we'll link that in our episode description if you want to watch it it's hilarious <laughs> thank you stephanie great email stephanie thank you next up we have rebecca thanks rebecca um rebecca's from louisiana wow our first louisiana howler i feel like louisiana my sister-in-law lives there it's warmer it's a great state. Great state. Really, really good hot chicken. But too hot for me because I'm a pixie. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're known for other stuff other than hot chicken. But I don't know. When I was there, I had hot chicken and it was too hot. All right. I'll tell you. Okay. Oh, the beignets, though. There you go. Those, no. aren't, those aren't too spicy. <laughs> now you're doing Louisiana. No, uh, okay. <laughs> well, I had both. <laughs> okay. I wasn't lying. <laughs> okay. So Rebecca says... That she loves Mustang, and uh, she's probably her favorite book character of all time. Pierce really knows how to write strong female characters, and I really appreciate that. There are a ton of favorite moments centered around Mustang, but there's one that especially speaks to me and kind of gets me in my feelings. At the end of Dark Age, Mustang approaches Victra and removes her shirt to show Victra her scars and says that she tried to get several. It's a great callback to a scene in Morningstar when Victra removes her shirt in front of everyone to prove that she wants to fight on the side of Darrow in The Rising. Darrow mentions then that he doesn't think Mustang would ever let her guard down like that. It really shows Mustang's growth and her vulnerability. It shows that she knows how to relate to Victra when they need each other most. Oh my God, I never connected that to... Victra taking her shirt off to show her scars. I didn't either. That's great. Fuck yeah, Rebecca. Bringing it back to Morningstar. Maybe Rebecca should be hosting HowlerPod. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so um, Rebecca says she is prime. And for fan casting, she thinks Sabrina Carpenter from Girl Meets World would make a great Mustang. I don't know who that is. I'm not oh my God, she is the cutest. I just Googled her. And I approve this mustang i don't know well these are too young of photos so they gotta be young though 
you need like a young person. She's so cute. She looks just like my friend Ashton too. <laughs> <laughs> but the pictures of her where she's a little older are like perfect. She's so cute. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed with Sabrina Carpenter now. <laughs> she's gorgeous. Okay. That would be a great Mustang. Great fan casting. She is prime. Good job, Rebecca. Thank you for writing in. Okay. This is our final email, and this is from Jennifer. And Jennifer is stabbing me in the <laughs> chest. Let me read the subject line of this email. Mustang is overrated. She said that. Wow. All right, let's hear it, Jennifer. She says, I love your guys' take on this series, but have to disagree with your obsession with Mustang. She is prime, no doubt but she is also the most overrated character in the series. Mustang is the stereotypical sci-fi heroine, beautiful, intelligent, charismatic, and deadly. She is also deeply flawed, but never once held accountable. Of all the main characters, Mustang is the only one who turned and ran from Darrow once he revealed he was a red, and yet there are no consequences for this abandonment. She is brilliant, yes, but is cold and calculating like her father. Mustang is always considering what is the smartest move and doesn't care about using others to achieve success. In the Institute, she attached to Darrow and used his brawn to carry out her plan. Later, she used Cassius when it seemed the smart move, but ditched him immediately when Darrow enacted a new plan. Mustang herself admits in her Dark Age POV to raising her own son as an ally. We admonish Octavia for raising Lysander as a weapon, but look past Mustang's own admission to doing the same, albeit with less torture and more love, but the end purpose was the same. It should give us pause that Mustang's own words regarding the pandemonium chair include perfection and useful. Now, I think that it is important that Pierce chose to tell the story through character POVs. The first three books are through Darrow's eyes, and therefore it makes sense that Mustang is depicted as perfect. Darrow sees in people what he wants to see. I think we, as the readers, need to see beyond his bias. Mustang is prime, but not perfect. Spicy. Jen, spicy. Spicy. Well, at least she still said prime. She's still prime. I'm going to push back on a few things. Um, my first is the turning and running part from Darrow. So I would put a lot of that blame on Darrow. He didn't do a good job explaining anything yeah. or using any he fucking handed her a hollow cube and said hey you should watch this also by the way i'm a fraud and i'm trying to overthrow your entire world that is a cowardly way to handle that situation i would have done the same thing because like i it's am like also a coward to yes. break up with <laughs> exactly i don't do that but i'm a coward um and i understand where daryl's coming from so i put a lot of blame in on him in that scenario as well for sure um, she is kind of cold and calculating at times, so I'll give you that. Um, I would also push back on the portion that says that she used Darrow and the Institute to carry out her plan. Now, it is kind of her idea and ideology that Darrow executes, but I feel like they came up with that idea together and it was based more on her kind of reformer type attitude and then darrow's like the one leading 
Right. I don't think she necessarily used Darrow in that scenario. But, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I, I do think it's a, it's a fair point. Also, she definitely uses Cassius. Um, I think it's okay that she uses Sweet Cheeks Cassius because <laughs> he cheeks. he's opening himself up to be used. True. You know? and, and he got to bang Mustang. So, like, how is he missing out? <laughs> how is this? Like, why is everyone he's like still thinking about it 10 years later? Why, why is everyone like poor Cassius? Like, fucking grow a pair, man. He's still thinking about it 10 years later. I so. would be, too. I mean, yeah. It's just a good lay. <laughs> and then I would also say the whole, like, um, allying with your son. Sure. But Octavia abused Lysander, which is very clearly spelled out in his point of view characters. It's still, like, kind of taking someone's childhood away from them. But Pax is happy and isn't abused and doesn't get his arm broken. Is stuff. he, though? Is he happy? Yes. <laughs> okay, because I don't think that he is. I think he's having a great time. He's a sad boy. But he's not ab- physically abused by sure, his mother. Sure, sure. He's not getting physically abused or brain diddled, but... That we know of. <laughs> I'm not sure that he's having a great time that like a 10-year-old should be having, you know? But the the there's a lot of difference between Mustang as a mother and Octavia as a grandmother. I agree. I just think that it's a fair point. Lightly. Very light connection. <laughs> okay, Jen. Aaron doesn't want to give you any credit. I'll give you some credit. This is a good take. I like that. It was a fun one. And, I mean, Daniel also said that he started off thinking kind of the same way Jen's thinking right. here. So, I don't know. Maybe I... Most of the fantasy books I read are the are male protagonists. Yeah, I... So, I, like, everyone's saying this, like, tip, stereotypical female fantasy character. I don't even know who they're talking about. I've heard that, too. And, um... It's not something that I get from Mustang either. She maybe I'm she reading was, the wrong book. That's true. We might not be reading the right book. So, um, it's not something. It's not the impression that I had of her too. She was. I'm much more like I think Heather and Aaron that she's a character that really stood out to me as different and um, not what I'm used to reading. But that also probably is informed by my own male viewpoint. You know, where I'm like reading books about dudes a lot of the time. So um, she might be stereotypical in that way, but that was not the way I I interpreted her. Same. Thanks, Jen. That was, I mean, it was a good, good debate. I enjoyed that. You, you like getting spicy. I just like a spicy take, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's make the case for and the case against. Let's do it. You got the case for. Well, everything we just said, obviously, and she fights for the people she loves. She also fights for the people she doesn't love. She fights for low colors that fucking cut her ear off. And why is she specifically prime for you is what I want to know. I'm just know. saying why she's prime. Tell me why she's specifically prime to you. I think she's a great personally. Her- she's a great heroine and someone that everyone should strive to be. She's not she's not afraid as a woman to be smarter than everyone and we're taught in our worldly society not off planet yet to act dumb and like not know more than everyone because we don't want to be perceived as bitchy Mm -hmm. or Mm know-it-alls and i think she does a great job not only knowing everything but being likable and still knowing everything right that's a great point and she can bust balls and she can eat apples (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll make the case against 
I think it's basically what Jen said. You just disagreed with Jen. What are you talking about? I mean, that's the case against is that she uses. She was mean to poor. No, I think she uses Cassius. A, the case against would be that she like uses characters to kind of get her way. Right, just like every fucking other character. I I'm just <laughs> settle down. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> I'm How just dare this you? is a theoretical case against. I'm still on your team over here. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm about to kick my feet up and start <laughs> eating an apple. <laughs> First I gotta go to the grocery store. <laughs> All right, Aaron, Mustang. Is she prime or pixie? She's prime. I'm gonna say she's also prime, obviously. Aw, thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, what are you into? I am into Fargo. Season four just dropped. I've only seen one episode, but I've seen the first three seasons, which were also amazing. Um, and, and this season is set in our hometown. This season, well, this season is set in Kansas City where Ben and I live. And it's really fun to see. They'll show, like, the skyline. <laughs> and then they'll make, like, references to different parts of town. And um, we feel so special. I just feel so special. Here in the Midwest. And, of course, Fargo is extremely violent and extremely bloody and at points disturbing, <laughs> just to warn you. And it stars, like, Chris Rock. and So this, this season, so each season stars a whole different cast and is a whole different story. Right. Obviously, if you've seen the movie... Um, you know, they put the oh spoiler, but they chop someone up in the wood chipper. The wood chipper. Is that your friend there in the wood chipper? The tree shredder. <laughs> so think of how bloody that is. It's the same, but I, I like the show just as much. And the movie's amazing, obviously. Mm -hmm. So season four is great. It's really fun to see Chris Rock on screen again. Um, and like I said, I've only seen the first episode so far, but it is hot and it is great. And if you don't mind gore and blood you should check it out it's really good juxtaposition of comedy and violence like horror yeah <laughs> not horror violence yeah ben what are you into this week i'm into two things again first thing is you should register to vote oh psa from ben this is a psa i know all of your social media accounts are telling you to vote but ben from howlerpod is also now telling you to to vote and oh, to wow. make sure to register to vote and do it soon because, like, a lot of that stuff is expiring. Like, you can't register right. here pretty soon in, like, a week Check or two in a lot ID of states. Check your ID and when it expires. I am going to include a link to headcount.org where you can register to vote, see if you're already registered, whatever, figure out your polling place. It's going to be in the episode description. So if you need to do that, if you've been thinking about it, you're like, I'll get around to it. Do it now. Do it right now. Okay. Turn off the podcast and do it. <laughs> Next item. Um, my, what are you into? Oh, you get two. I okay. get two because okay. I'm special. It's, right. It's my fucking podcast. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into a movie. It's called Rushmore. It's uh, a Wes Anderson movie. Ooh, I like Wes Anderson. It's an old one. It's his second movie. I oh. rewatched it for the first time in a really long time. I never saw it. And it's really good. It stars Jason Schwartzman. He's in... Fargo, season four. Yeah. Uh, it stars Jason Schwartzman, and he is in Fargo season four, actually. So that's yep. synergy here. Ooh. On what are we into? And he plays Max Fisher, who's like this precocious 
teenager who goes to Rushmore Academy and doesn't want to leave and falls in love with the teacher. And it's just great. If you like Wes Anderson movies, you'll love Rushmore. It's also great like watching it again, having seen a whole bunch of Wes Anderson movies because you kind of see how his style developed over time. Bill Murray's in it. Great. Really funny movie. A chuckle a minute type movie. Love me some Bill Murray. Yeah. So vote and then watch Rushmore. Good call. Register to vote and then watch Rushmore and then vote on November 3rd. <laughs> or, or vote mail- early. Make a plan. Ballot. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do. You do you. All right. Um, what's coming up next, Ben? Next week on Hallerpod, we're talking about the other Augustus twin, the jackal himself, Adrius Ah Augustus. Yes, sir. And possibly a little Abominatrius. Well, obviously. <laughs> we got to diddle some brains here. <laughs> Emphasis on the little. The little. Little shithead. <laughs> They're both little shitheads. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that should be fun. Right in. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, hallerpod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. Uh, find links to all this at hallerpod.com. Tell a friend about the books, spread the word about the podcast, and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will give you a flower. But just kidding, it's a night lily, and you're going to fucking die. <laughs> Thank you to Heather for coming on the podcast. Oh my gosh. So nice. Our wise and wonderful researcher. You what a cool person. An absolute delight. I love her. Good luck at Princeton. We'll talk to you again soon. I think she's the only person I've ever met that went or currently goes to Princeton. <laughs> <laughs> she's our wise and wonderful researcher, and we appreciate all her hard work researching these characters and their historical connections. And thank you so much to Miles for the amazing episode art. As always. Thank you, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Oh.